Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The thing I wanted more than the summit was to avoid pulling any of my pals into looking after me um, and putting them, well, putting themselves in danger. Welcome to episode 58 of the Adventure Podcast. This episode featuring Matt Sharman is the final full release of our mini-series for Kendall Mountain Festival in association with Yeti. There are many reasons to venture into the mountains. Um, Matt is the antithesis of the Conqueror. He's a gentle but accomplished mountaineer. And this episode of the podcast details Matt's life as a mountain guide and the formative experiences he's had at high altitude and how they've changed him. He also tells the story of his personal attempt at Mount Everest and his views on the ever-changing mountain. Before we jump in with Matt, I'd like to talk briefly about the festival. There's an unbelievable wealth of films, interviews and specialist sessions online and it's all available to watch and enjoy in a variety of different formats depending on whether uh, you'd like an all-access pass or simply a single ticket for a standalone session. All of these films and lectures and conversations will be up and online until the end of December so you've got plenty of time to enjoy as much of it as you can. You can also get 20% off by using the code ADVENTURE20 at the checkout. Uh, All capital letters and all one word. So head to kendallmountainfestival.com to get involved. Finally, this four-part series has been filmed rather than just audio recorded. So if you'd like to get up close and personal with these guests, then you can watch the conversations in full on the Yeti Basecamp on the KMF website. If you're enjoying this series but are new to the Adventure Podcast, then you can find us on iTunes, Spotify or Acast and hit the subscribe button. And whether this is your first time listening or you're a seasoned veteran, um, the iTunes reviews make a huge, huge difference to us and our ability to reach new audiences. So if you think you can spare 20 or 30 seconds and you're enjoying the podcast, then please head to iTunes and leave us a review. Okay, over to Matt Sharman. Right, Matty. Right. Shall we? Well, let's. So, how long have you been coming to Kendall Mountain Festival? Oh, oh many years, actually. I'm a, I, I live locally, so, um, well, so long as, as long as I've been climbing. How long has it been going? Oh, God, I don't know. 20 it's years? 40th, is it 40th anniversary this year? 40? Right, I, might well, be I haven't wrong. been going that long. <laughs> You're not old enough. No, <laughs> despite how I look. Um, yeah, easy 20 years, I'd have said. Yeah, yeah. I think I've missed the odd year. 
Um, it's, it's actually taken on a slightly um, new life because my kids are keen now and they do a brilliant um, sort of kids event. It's, it's more geared towards the sort of younger people, adventure sports, no swearing, all that stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. No yeah. swearing. We're going to try and do no swearing today. <laughs> well, you'll be lucky. <laughs> so let's go back to the start. <clears throat> Because, despite being a local boy, <clears throat> you are not Cumbrian, or are you Cumbrian, or...? Well, no, no, I can't claim that, actually. I was born in Manchester, at um, hotbed of um, adventure athletes, um, but my parents moved north when I was 10 years old, to um, um, just outside Keswick. So, yeah, this feels like home now. My mum was actually born in Threlkeld. She's a proper Cumbrian lass. Her parents took all their worldly goods when they were first married over the whores at Martindale to their new house in a horse-drawn cart. Is that right? No less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, on my mum's side of the family, I'm, I'm the, the genuine article. So you can claim heritage, really? Well, I, yeah, I've got some, some family links. So the first ten years were outdoorsy, adventurous? Uh, well, it, it never is when you're a little person you just do the stuff that you think's fun and interesting and as it happened my house in the um, suburbs of Manchester the back garden backed onto Heaton Park now if you're from Manchester you know Heaton Park it's a massive park you know green space so over the back um, wall the back of our garden and into the the trees and the fields it was yeah I, I, I suppose arguably that's the the beginning of it all you know this that space to play in. In what way? The beginnings of what all? <clears throat> oh, well, I assume, given the subject matter of the name, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to chat about climbing and mountains and, and, you know, these interesting and exciting journeys that we find ourselves drawn to. So what was it like moving to the lakes age 10? Uh, traumatic at the time. You don't want to leave your school and you don't want to leave your mates and that's all a bit challenging. However, best move my parents made. I was at an all-boys school in Manchester for a start, which I didn't realise at the time, but was damaging. Um, and we moved to Keswick, and I started at Keswick School, which is mixed, and um, just... Keswick's, a, Keswick's an amazing place to, to grow up, but it's also a function of the people I met there. So some of the teachers, one of the teachers there is, is the chap that taught me to climb in, in the proper sense, place protection and, and, and lead. Um, other teachers were really enthusiastic and passionate about the romantic poets. There's, um, so the, the sort of literature aspects, very interested and involved in that. In fact, I took it to degree level and that was my university time. As a, as a function of, I would say, my English teacher stood on the bows of a one of those little launches that you could hire on, um, on Dermot Water, reciting Wordsworth's poetry as we, as 14-year-olds, schooled across the lake. He was bringing the, bringing the romantics to life for me. So that was, yeah. So having I known you for 10 years, give or take, it all suddenly makes sense when you find that out. <laughs> Do, really? <laughs> does, it, does, that, does that shed a bit of light? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, coming into this, you, you sort of begin to think a little bit about where, where things started and how the, how the sort of jigsaw has, has, has been put together. But yeah, that's, that was certainly part of it. I met some very interesting, very enthusiastic, very committed people 
doing what they love to do and I thought blimey that looks that looks great I want a piece of that did you know then that you were going to spend the rest of your life playing in mountains no you can't I don't think you you can there is you know hindsight's very powerful stuff and you know you, oh yeah that's when that happened but at the time you don't really realize it but what I if there is a theme there I'm I suppose of the of the mountain disciplines, so the, the the climbing and the biking and the walking and the canoeing and the you know all the different stuff that 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 we enjoy and have fun doing, it's all really a function of moving in that environment in a in a safe and enjoyable way. That's 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 really what I'm keen on. And there's there's a there's a you know really lovely sort of myriad ways you can do that really. So. So yeah, I met some folk who were key. So you've never been one for conquering? I'm not a conqueror. Don't look like a conqueror. I'm not. A, I'm not. I, you know what? I think uh, it's it turns me off that terminology. To be honest, I'm not a. I'm, I'm not a fan. It's like you've bested something. You've beaten. You've 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 sort of forced something into submission. When actually, if you're if you're really, if you're going into the mountains with the right attitude, you should be going humbly and, and, and with a, a sense of your own um, mortality and, and a sense of your own tininess in that, in that landscape. I think that's pretty crucial to, 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 to approach it in that, that way. I've got here, that's a, that's a, because you hear it a lot, don't you? Conquered Everest, done this, you know, got to the top and you know, summited and all that stuff. And that, th those aspects never really um, excited me. I just like moving in those environments. And does that mentality apply to... It, I mean, is it just the greater ranges where you're considering that kind of thing? or? Uh, absolutely not. Um, no, I think there's adventures to be had in your back garden. Definitely learned that since I've had children. That's... <laughs> <clears throat> um, but I, I, I think it's um, I think it's a function of a of an approach that you bring or an attitude that you have. Um, I interviewed, interested in this, so we 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 said, did we say adventure there or we said greater ranges or mountaineering? We, we were sort of chatting about yeah. that stuff, weren't we? I interviewed Chris Bonington, donkeys years ago. Uh, I've forgotten most of it, but one of his key um, defining characteristics of adventure. You know, if you had to sum it up or, you know, if, you, if you're going to say you, you're engaged in genuine adventurous activity, what are the, what are the criteria you've got to fulfil? And the, the thing that I remember most, was well, two things actually, but one is that the outcome is uncertain. You don't know for sure if it's, if it's even possible, let alone whether you and your, your team or your mates or just, just you can, can do it. So that, that uncertain outcome aspect, I think, is it's critical you do you know if it's all if you know before you go why go i mean it's it's the it's the learning and the creativity and the determination and the humility that all has to come together to get you through it i think um what's the other one? Oh yeah the friendship angle you know the team the team is everything and, and I, I think you're well without your mates on some 
well, some routes in the Borrowdale Valley, but in, in, or some big mountains in the Himalaya, it doesn't really matter. You'd be dead. You know, you just couldn't do it on your own. I mean, there's, there's, there's some folk out there who are extremely capable and solo stuff that I couldn't even dream of. But a lot of it is, is, a, is a function of your connection to the people you're with, sort of understanding each other, trusting each other so completely. This was the, you know, why the, the debate raged so, um, so violently over um, um, the cutting of the rope in, you know, touching the void and all that stuff, because that is a, it's a sacred bond, that stuff. And I sort of understand why Simon Gates had to do it and things. He was being pulled off the mountain. It was, it looked like it was curtains for him as well. He assumed um, Joe was gone. So, yeah, you can see it from both sides. But I, th I think that I, the point I'm trying to make here is the fact that that debate was so vociferous and, and deeply felt was because of that connection between partners on a rope or um, you know members of a expedition team or is such a such a key bond but understanding that it's all a sliding scale for different people mountaineers from all over mm. the world mm. is it fair to say that that friendship element that bond is a fundamental part of why you do it uh, I, th I think it certainly deepens the experience in in as, as certainly as far as I'm concerned. I mean, just the, you know, that, that mountain environment. I mean, uh, it is, it's the Grand Arena, as, as far as I'm concerned. Nice smile there. I like what I said, Grand Arena. You gave me, you gave me the pearly whites. <laughs> so it feels like I'm on a good, in a good direction here. But yeah, I, ju I just think, is there, is there any other environment that, that can create such a, such a heady cocktail. I mean, you're seeing you know, such vulnerability, but such heroism at the same time, and, 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 and determination and, and courage, but, and, and kindness as well. I mean, some of the, some of the moments of, of, of just um, gratitude I've felt when my mate has actually hauled himself out of the bag and started the almighty faff that is brewing up when you were just too knackered to breathe, let alone speak. You know, you're at altitude and it's a, you've had a long day and all the rest of it, but just just those those, those moments. I mean, kindness is often, you know, you think the, the, the bigger the act of, of kindness, the more kind it is. Well, actually it's not. I think kindness is often a, a, a function of the circumstances in which you experience it. And my God, I've been grateful for somebody just handing me a brew or just saying, God, it's all right, the sun will be up soon. It'll get warmer and we'll be able to get moving again. And you just think, oh, well, I'll probably survive. <laughs> you know, it's, I just, I think it's a... I think it's a, a, a set of circumstances. I'm not saying it only happens in, in, in sort of mountains and mountaineering and expeditions and all that stuff, but it's, it's definitely, for me, the most sort of direct line to accessing that, that really, the, the, the best of us, you know, are, are you know, when we're, when we're being human in, in all, all the best ways, you know. Can you experience that? Or that kind of thing on a on a dog walk, you know, could that be an adventure with shared experience? Yeah, I think so. I I I oh man, I, my dog died recently. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, it was 
absolutely tragic because he, 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 it wasn't expected particularly. He was epileptic and um, he had a great summer and no seizures and all fine. And then one afternoon he had a seizure and then another and another. And it went for about six hours while the, the poor lad was... Yeah, it just didn't feel right to, um, to keep going with him. Labrador, nine years old, Jasper was. So yeah, I think um, I certainly felt connected to that animal. Must have done hundreds and hundreds of miles with him, you know, in the Lakeland Fells, but, you know, all over the, the country and on, on holidays too. Quite an interesting experience, that, actually, for my, for my kids um, as well. So he was the, the, the poor, it's strange, I'm talking about the dog dying, but it's, uh, it taught me a bit about um, being um, just open emotionally, you know, because you, I, I mean, I don't cry a great deal. I don't, I don't think many blokes tend not to, and I think in many ways it's a bit of a shame that. But I, I, I felt very um, uh, concerned that I was honest with my children about what was going on. So I cried and cried with my, and with my son particularly. My daughter was different. You know what she did. So we had the discussion. Look, it doesn't look like Jasper's going to make it here, and it was all very upsetting we're all having a bit of a cry about it and she seven-year-old little girl that she is the first thing she did was run upstairs and write a poem about it oh god what a what an enlightened thing to do just to just to process her emotions and all that anyway um, the, the point i was making there was um uh, about jake my son seeing me cry and i got the sense at the time that he, did, he didn't really know how to react seeing his family around him you know his, his parents are, you know upset but I, I I hope I've sort of encouraged a, a bit of um, you know the bravery of honesty about just oh, just put it out there just offer it I've got I've got an interesting fact just before we before you I could tell you you were about to get in there but I'm, just a bit apparently I read some research that there's we have two different types of tears as um, as human beings there's the, the chopping the onions tears, so yeah, streaming um, uh, that's, a, that's a mechanism for ridding the eye of um, irritants and, and, and things that are affecting it that's, that's blurring your vision or whatever, so it's sluicing it all out and getting rid of it now the tears of sadness apparently are much thicker fluid the reason well, the, the theory being that those, those, um, those tears cling to your face better so you you're you're, you're signaling socially you're reaching out saying look i am sad or or, or the tears of happiness or, or whatever but i am i am telling you with this with this water dripping down my face how i'm feeling I'm, i need you you know i thought that was, that was an interesting bit of research i think i read about that before the dog died so i really got on the front foot with all that and had a good cry yeah well yeah. good yeah I think you're allowed to, as you say. You, would it be fair to say, like, you live fairly close to the earth, in a sense. You're quite an earthy person. You raise your family in that sense. And to what extent do you think that makes your children, makes you more emotionally resilient, more connected, more... Hmm. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not quite sure, but I would say that... I mean, it's, it's back to this point around, you know, the, the experiences I've had 
outside and I've shared outside have been some of the most meaningful, some of the hardest, but some of the most joyous, um, some of the most challenging, but also, you know, the, those, those moments of, of, of the greatest elation, you know, right across the, the spectrum. So if I can offer anything as a, as a, as a parent looking after people or, um, you know, bringing them up in, in, in a sort of an outdoorsy way if you like it sounds awful that but um just being outside most days without fail doing stuff um i it feels i am in a way opening the door to the sorts of stuff that i find valuable and, and teach you some good lessons as well why do you say it sounds awful oh is that you know outdoorsy it's a terrible word it's not even a word but what what is the the you know the the sort of the why do you shy away from it? Oh no! I, I, it just just the linguistics, not the not the actual experience. It's okay. a, you know you're putting a Y on the end of outdoors. <laughs> oh, no, okay. well you see, well no, my wife has a right old. She's the grammar police, you know. She didn't like it. <laughs> okay, so I think we need to backtrack quite a long way because you're talking a lot about all these mountaineering experiences you've had, hmm. all these moments in the outdoors, hmm. your outdoorsy moments. Um, can you give me, and I actually don't know this in detail, a rundown of your mountaineering experience? Right. Um, okay. My father did a bit of climbing, took me walking in the hills. So this is a little boy, you know, six, seven, eight onwards. Keswick School, critical. Some of the teachers there, um, you know, Shepherd's Crag in Borrowdale was the first stuff I ever did. Little Chamonix, loads of people know it really really well um the Borrowdale Valley I mean it is the center of the universe and remains so as far as I'm concerned it's just all there I absolutely love it um so yeah cl climbing locally um you know big walks overnighting just getting into that that flow of you know moving for hours and hours and hours and camping and doing it all again and day after day some more extended trips you know five six eight days that type of thing so that was the, the sort of genesis, if you like. That was the, the beginnings. And you begin to, you know, acquire a few skills and know what you're doing with a rope and, you know, don't feel gripped by the fact that you're going to spend the night outside. It's, yeah, those, those were the beginnings, if you like. Um, you get a bit older and you get a bit stronger and you get a bit fitter and you begin to try harder and, 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 and more challenging activities. Um, I, when I went to university... It was, so yeah, A-levels, Kate School, marvellous, did loads of climbing, didn't go to school quite as much as I should have in sixth form because there was a lot of climbing to be done and you learn to drive, so all of a sudden you can go where you want and, ah, oh, fantastic. Um, at university as well, um, this was back in the days when the government paid for it, you didn't have to, so that was a, that was a result as far as I was concerned. You could also get student loans, um, so that, you know, you wrote, you wrote a letter and then a couple of grand appeared in your account, <laughs> you know, a few days later. Phenomenal stuff. So I, I would do that and use that money to go places in the, in the summer holidays. I worked a lot. I worked at George Fisher's in Keswick as well just to, to, to claw together the money. But that money to me was for exploring and having a look around. Um, so I spent uh, uh, two months in my final year at university in India 
um, moving around northern India and down into Indore, into that sort of central section, down to Goa, and then back up to Ladakh, and then back into to Delhi and, and home. And to be honest, I think that the use of that money is completely justified, because it, is, it was, it was a key part of my education. Um, I did, I, you know, I learned so much, I experienced so much, I, I, I really felt the, um, the value of travel in that, in, in, in the sense that it, again, it's another cliche, it broadens the mind, but my word, it doesn't have to give you a more rounded and um, a fact-based view of what's happening out there. I mean, uh, yeah, really, back to the origins again, it's fundamentally it's about having a look around for me and I just found the, find the mountain environments some of the most interesting places and not just for the landscape but culturally also the people you meet the sorts of folk that you come into contact with if you're engaged in, in those sorts of activities I mean all the all the criteria all the elements that get me interested and engaged and involved and excited seem to coalesce in those places it's really lovely um yeah uh, after university um, big trips then extended didn't really know what to do post university have an arts degree so pff, who knows what that's for um uh so i flew to um uh, houston texas with a friend of mine um, and we bought a car in in houston because they sell cars for Nothing out there, super cheap. It's a few years ago. Um, and we drove that car from there to um, Panama in Central America. So all the way down to Mexico, stopped at uh, Petrero Chico, fantastic climbing venue. That is down through Mexico into Guatemala. Climb whatever was there, really. Tajamulco is one of the, the highest peaks in um, Central America. Shot up that with fit at the time. Um, uh, yeah, just moved, moved, moved through that. that continent that, that sort of latin american area flogged the car in panama and flew to bolivia on the proceeds a few hundred dollars um and spent another couple of months mountaineering alpinism just climbing stuff it was rather magnificent just to go for that amount of time and the the only the only thinking we were really doing is what's what, what should we try next Let's get, you know, you get the Lonely Planet up and you have a look around and you talk to some of the locals and you bump into folk and say, oh, yeah, well, I don't think anybody's been there for... Well, I don't think anybody's been there. And so we, we go and we try. Love that. Journeys, journeys, journeys. So you were doing first descents? Well, I think so. I'm not sure. Um, we got to the top of some stuff and I c we couldn't find it in any guidebooks and it certainly didn't look like anybody else had been up there. Does it matter? I don't, I don't think so. Um, not to me. That's certainly what motivated... That's not what motivated me. Um, we went to try and explore, live, live outdoors, try and get high and test ourselves. You know, do we dare? Is that too much? Use your judgment. Try and sort of gently feel your way through it, you know. Um, so yeah, sorry I interrupted you. So after no, Bolivia, um, after Bolivia, then uh, oh, I suppose the, ne the next key thing is, is I got a job um, working for an adventure travel company, um, KE, based in Keswick. Um, difficult times for 
travel industry at the moment. Quite how that's going to roll out in the coming years, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I was the operations manager for that organisation, um, and when I wasn't doing that, I was leading trips for them. So I'd be away two, sometimes three times a year, looking after groups in in big mountain environments. Um, so that ended up doing a lot of stuff as a as the as the sort of guide um, figure in those um, um, four four K, which was absolutely amazing actually couldn't believe you you know can't believe you're getting paid you're actually facilitating experiences for folk that let's face it they couldn't get near without you and and is you know more often than not absolutely blowing their minds you know you're putting them on top of things like Mera Peak you know six and a half thousand meters in the Nepal Himalaya Everest there Lhotse's there Amadablan's there you're in the most spectacular landscape on earth helping people do it which was rather bloody marvellous I really enjoyed it yeah and I think this was you know I don't know about everybody else but this was certainly my preconception was whenever you picture whenever one pictures those trips you see the snow and you see the summit and you see the ice axes but that's not the whole trip right from the moment you get on the aeroplane in the UK or whatever can you just talk me through what okay. it's like to go and climb well, a big mountain? <clears throat> well, there was two bits to this. So I was, so I was leading treks and, and, and moving people around in as, in as safe a way as possible. Now, you, you, you're sort of facilitating these amazing experiences for your clients. They're all in a great time. They need looking after. And some people just, you know, should not be there. But you, you have to sort of herd them through and you know, just, just hope they survive the experience. And some people, it's the trigger for them and it, and it sets them on a path that you're, it's absolutely thrilling to have been, you know, part of, the, part of that process. But there's, um, there's another type of um, journey, which was a function of my time at KE, where a lot of my mates were doing similar work. So we'd all be, you know, we'd be working in, in, in Himalaya more generally or the Andes or, or wherever and getting to know the crews that we were working with so particularly in Nepal I had some close close mates who are um, Sherpa folk and you know you meet um, because you're the team that are making the experience for those pain punters as, as good as it, as it can possibly be so you know the cooks and the, and the climbing Sherpas and, and those folk um, and my other mates who were guiding and stuff thought we'd try some some bigger some harder stuff some some things which which is just for us so we had to go to Everest in, back in um you know, it was, yeah long time ago now but we did it I'm quite proud of this this is the most the, the sort of proudest bit of the whole thing for me but it was the style in which we did a lot a lot is spoken about style isn't it and and you know did you did you free it was it alpine Were you, you know was the support well we we went to Everest, um, to, the, to the north side, actually, to the Tibetan side, because it was cheaper. Um, and in, in, the, in what I think is the, the, the best way to do it, we're all mates for a start, like proper, proper pals, um, right down to the, the cook, was a, was a Canadian lad who um, we'd done a load of climbing with. The, the climbing Sherpas with us were our mates from the guiding that we'd all done together. So we, we knew them all. We were just a, a group of um, 12 of us 
that were on the on the summit permit. Five grand cost us, including the flights to do it all. Because um, I think mainly because we did it all. Really, we carried everything ourselves above ABC. We um, yeah overlanding across Tibet, established our own base, established ABC. Did all the load carrying in between us. I must admit, I didn't carry as much as some of the chauffeurs did. <laughs> <I, laughs> we never do. Yeah, because they're they're half and all. But we did, we did, we did it. We took it in turns. We, you know, we were using oxygen, so we had to establish the camps, supply the camps, get the tents set up. You know, do all that work that puts you in a place where you hope you get that weather window and everybody's still fit and 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 hale and hearty and ready to have a to have a go. There's a really lovely sort of natural equilibrium that, that presents itself over, because you're there for six weeks. You know, there's no, there's no hierarchy that, that these are the summit team and those are the support crew and he's carrying the oxygen and, yeah, Passang's making the dinner and Fenden's going to be, you know, looking after Camp 3 and all that stuff. It just evolves very, very naturally. And you end up climbing with the people that are moving at a similar pace to you, that are, um, have sort of similar sort of summit aspirations, the, the sort of acclimatisation rotations that were going on and stuff. It just fell into place in, in the best way, which is the way where it just, it's the most sensible set of options in front of you. There's no, you know, I pay my money and I need you to get me there and, you know, all that, all that stuff. It just, it just played out in a, in a rather lovely, lovely way. Um, to be honest, I don't think I'd go back there these days. It seems, it seems pretty crowded. I'm not as interested in that stuff at all. But I do think the way in which we attempted it that time was, 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 just, was just great, actually, and a really a nice way of doing it. And of the, of, the, of the, I think, eight people on the summit permit, 12 on the mountain, five summited, which apparently is a pretty bloody good ratio of that. Not bad, not bad going at all. Um, yeah, yeah. I miss it in a way. Expedition life. There's a there's a there's a simplicity to it, which I find. Well, often, often, you know, our day to day really lacks. You know, there's so many um, demands on our time, and we need to be there, and it's and it's and it's scheduled, and it's and it's committing, and there's there's multiple. Um, Sort of. Uh, uh, someone sort said to of me yesterday. Yeah. Someone said that the way we live our lives at the moment, we do ten percent of ten things every day. No. Whereas when we're on those trips, when we're on those expeditions, we do a hundred percent of one thing. It's <sighs> lovely for that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, just all you're really concerned about is, you know, have I, have I, have I eaten? Okay. Am I feeling all right? Is the weather changing? That's about it. Really, you know, let's 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 move in that in that in that simple simple way. I find it um, really really refreshing, you know, to 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 provide yourself with the space to bring that level of focus to the activity. That's quite quite cool, and I think we miss it in uh, a lot of what we do day to day. I'm generalising, but that's certainly my experience, my expedition life. Well, it's about your experience. Thank you for saying so. <laughs> 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> um, so how did Everest play out for you? Um, well, aside from being rather amazing and a, and a fantastic time, I didn't summit. Um, I... It was all going pretty well. Um, I think I spent, I, my, I suspect I'd spent slightly longer than I was sort of physically capable of spending at ABC. We'd lived at six and a half thousand metres for weeks. I spent three weeks there just waiting for the weather. And it's, I find it hard to eat and just keep the, the calories and, well, there's, there's, there's a million excuses, isn't there? But we, we, all, we set off different, different sort of teams of two and single... Um, operators of my mates at various points on the mountain. I moved up North Col, Camp 2, moving towards Camp 3, so North Ridge, above 8,000 metres. And it, it felt to me at that stage, been going a long time, I just felt very tired. Um, so tired that I began to um, wonder if I had it in me to get to the top and back to Camp 3 safely. Now, as, as, you, as you know, if you can't move under your own steam at that altitude, it is curtains, really. You have to be able to, to function independently. And the last thing I wanted, or the, the, the thing I wanted more than the summit, was to avoid pulling any of my pals into looking after me um, and putting them well putting themselves in danger at worst but or, or well less worse in a way scuppering their their summit attempt so i knew i had it in me to turn around at that point and get back to camp safely so i perhaps you know i don't know maybe i didn't want it enough or you know you, you can sort of doubt yourself but i was i was quite pleased that in the end, I moved up into the, some very high places in some pretty demanding conditions and got down independently, you know, myself on my own. So how, when you really think about it, how do you feel about that decision? <sighs> Chuffed. I'm all right with that. I'm not really going for... I, th I think, well, I, I, I dare say it's... It's becoming obvious to some extent, but I'm not really motivated by doing any conquering or any, <laughs> you know, summit glory or anything. I'm, I'm I'm into it for the for the for the expedition experience, you know, from getting you know leaving home to getting home, you know, and and all the stuff in between. You know, even the travelling in. I mean, you know, overlanding it from Kathmandu into um, across Tibet and to the the Rongbuk side, and you know those 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 journeys across the the Tibetan plateau the ferry and loads up and down uh, your team's getting closer you're getting to know each other better you you know 
it was and you're with your pals it's funny and it's it's a laugh to be together you know so you that that i find a really um there's a simplicity to it there's a purity to it there's something um uh, genuinely real about those those times found it found it pretty pretty stunning so what was your what was your original point there though no no you fancied my point Am that I? was it mm, yeah. yeah so yeah. you said mm. whilst talking about Everest that you miss it and obviously not Everest the expeditions mm. why what do you mean you miss it where's it gone oh, well, I do it less these days simply as a, a, a as a function of the fact that I'm a parent now and actually you know yeah that, that, that was a moment where a sort of a key decision was made I led a, a Merapeat trip uh, not long after Jake was born, um, about six months old. Um, you know, I'd done it before, pretty straightforward, go in, you know, four weeks, bang, come home, brilliant. Within about a week of that trip, um, I, was, I was beginning to understand that I didn't really want to be there enough. Because I was, well, I was missing home, I was frightened, I was, not where I needed to be as a as a parent. We had a sat phone and things, but that's if in case someone's dying and you need a chopper or something. So there are no cons whatsoever. So for the first time ever, moving into that environment, I thought, oh, I, actually, I am, my mind is elsewhere here. So that I sort of took my foot off the gas a bit there with the longer expedition stuff. Um, beyond that that point, um, but up up to there, I reckon I've spent about two and a half. Nearly three years of my life in the Himalaya, more broadly. So you, you, that's a chunk of time, you know. And you, you you begin to know a place and feel it, and uh, and then when it's not part of your life, with the sort of consistency it was over the over the years through the sort of cave stuff um, and the, the adventure travel side. Yeah, I I sort of would go back in a heartbeat. How much have you gone in the last... How old is Jake? 10, 11? Yeah, he's 11 now. Uh, every couple of years, there's been an exhibition of some nature, not always um, Himalaya, um, some some more sort of European-based stuff, but uh, not, the, not the big, gnarly expedition stuff quite as much. Yeah. So may I go back to the style question? With uh, just while we're chatting about expeditions and Everest and stuff like that, and I was I was very proud of the, the way we approached it as a as a group of friends and you know on a shoestring and as as and doing it all ourselves, and I think that's I I suspect that is lacking in the way a lot of um, mountaineering experience is described a lot of the time at the moment. I I. I'm very interested in the detail or the um, the qualifying statements around um, what has and hasn't happened out there. Okay, so my, my point with this is that you may, you know, you say, all right, I climbed Everest. Okay, um, now what I'd like to hear is I climbed Everest solo without oxygen, alpine style, um, in winter, blindfolded. I, I want to know how, how it is you approach that stuff because it, it really speaks to um, the experience and, and what you achieved 
Now, the, the flip of that is I climbed Everest, but surely you should be offering the caveats that at a three to one climbing Sherpa ratio, they climbed all, they, they carried all my oxygen, they pitched my tent, they put my crampons on for me. Um, I lived in a virtually four star accommodation at base camp for the duration. And I managed to get to the top. Now those two things, although you, you in each case you, you stood on the top of the world, I like riding a bike and flying a helicopter really, aren't they? I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, pro, there's a profound gap um, in terms of the experience. So I'm, I'm keen to um, know, the, know the details, you know, what, the, the, the truth of what people are claiming. Like Doug Scott says, you know, if you're not mountaineering, sorry, if you're not making your own decisions, you're not mountaineering. So if you're not, if you're not making the choices yourself, you're not, you're not really doing it in some ways. And I, I, I think that's, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. And in the end, it's, it's really, it's because I'm interested in what, what, what's the human experience? What's the real um, uh, fear and doubt and, and, and courage and determination and, and, and commitment that you brought to that show? Now, if it was all getting done for you, those levels are lower. I mean, I, I would deny this environment to no one, to be honest. It's amazing. I mean, do pay whatever it costs and get up there and, and have it, okay, if, if, if you must, treat it with some bloody respect. But I would also argue, don't, don't be too fast and loose with how you describe your achievements. This brings, I have two or three questions. Is that not, mm. it's interesting. Is that not elitist? No, I think it's honest. Both elitist. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, is it? I don't know. I don't know. Is, is it? I mean, I, 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 do, I do sort of feel, um, Well, I'm, really, I'm interested in what what's fundamentally gone on. You know, what's what's the real deal? So it's it's like, you know, if you're reading a book, you don't just read the chapter headings, do you? If you if you're reading the paper, you don't just read the the headline. If you want to know what's going on, then you really need to to drill into the detail a little bit. I I I, I feel obliged to do that if I'm going to claim that I know what I'm talking about or I know what's going on. So if I, well, this is my point. I, I think it would be elitism if I were to say you shouldn't be up there if you're using oxygen or you shouldn't be up there if you're a guided individual. Um, but at the same time, I would say that environment asks something of you. I think you need to be, you need to qualify in, in certain senses to be there. If your presence above 8,000 metres is putting other people in danger because you lack the bloody competence, really, or, 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 or the experience, or the understanding of yourself to know that actually that next 600 metres to the summit is too much for me. I need to turn around now. If you haven't got those levels of awareness, I don't think. I mean, it's, it's very hard to call, really, because you, it's difficult to think clearly at, the, at those, those sorts of uh, heights. but. I think if you, 
if you wade in without those um without having cut your teeth without having paid your dues i i think that's at best arrogance and at worst foolish and you're putting people in danger i think that's well put yeah because mm-hmm. to what extent is it the peacocking that you object to as much as the summit itself mm. you know the yeah 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 the 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 sort of uh, the, the celebrity that you can acquire, the degree of what is it, kudos or um, status? Followers. Followers. Yes. <laughs> God. Followers. I don't know what they are. Actually, I don't know any social media. <laughs> As you know, weirdly on social media, I. I mean, maybe you could guide my thinking here, but I. I think the thing that turns me off about it the most, or or why I don't engage with it. Perhaps as much as I should. I can see its value as a communication tool, you know, from a, from a business perspective and, and as far as connecting with other folk, you know, global audience. I mean, marvellous. But I, so much of it feels like a, a selling exercise to me. I'm looking at images or, you know, bits of writing and I just can't get away from the fact that these, these look like this is features and benefits, isn't it? This is, I want you to know this about me or I want you to know this about this experience because I want it to imply. X, Y, and Z about who I am or what I do or who, you know, what my company's up to, that sort of thing. I just, I don't like to be sold stuff. It just turns you off, doesn't it? I'm not. I, and I just, I can't, I know, just, you know, perhaps I need to broaden my horizons with that stuff. But no, I, I don't know that you do. I mean, for me, it begs the question, which I've never asked you, which is why were you interested in Everest when... You know, this conversation that we're having now, the points that you're making, I mean, yeah, I, I well, think I it's true that there are mm. more unclimbed mountain in the, mountains in the world than climbed mountains. I'm fairly that's sure that's true. That's absolutely the case. Yeah. So yeah. why did you and your mates go for Everest when it's the circus that it is? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it was it's because it was available to us. We were all in the Himalaya back and forth pretty frequently. It just seemed like if you're gonna if you're gonna chuck some money at it and you're gonna take the the six weeks it needs to take and if we're all gonna sort of come into line around the objective that we're looking at, it seemed like the obvious place to go really. And it's yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. that's it. And these this conversation is really fascinating because I think you you get polar points these days you either get well it's the highest mountain in the world and I'm going to conquer it mm. or you get I stay away from all that shit and I hate it yeah but actually is there an element of well Everest's Everest and it's amazing and we want to climb it in great style mm. you know we're mm. going to ignore the fixed lines we're going to ignore the circus and the carnival mm. that's happening and mm. we're going to climb Mount Everest yeah yeah I don't I don't know uh, I, I think there is I think there is a there's an element of that but I, it, it was, it's back to, it's back to a style question again for me. It was, it was simply the fact that those planets aligned. That group of fellows that I knew were in the right place and the right time, not just geographically, but in, in, in themselves. And we had that, that, that opportunity that presented itself. So let's go. And it was, it was pretty simple. In, in, in some respects, that. Yeah. It was a few years ago now as well. 
it was quieter then, I think. Would you go again? I doubt it, you know. I'm don't, I don't think so. I just think it's just a bit on the on the busy side. And the other, you know, perhaps it's because I'm ageing and I'm getting pretty softer and a bit weaker around the, around the edges. But I, I suspect one of the one of the key hazards on on Everest these days, particularly on the Paul side, is the 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 fact that it is as busy as it is, and the fact that there is arguably quite a, a significant proportion of people up there who are not moving that efficiently and not quite doing it as they should and you and I both know we would not walk past if someone was in danger so am I just setting myself up to get into a position where it, I'm, you just end up having to help folk or you know get them down somehow so I almost feel guilty asking but what do you think they should do with the mountain? In, in, what, in terms of permitting, guiding, ethics, style? Yeah. I, well, it's a, it's a massive draw in terms of the, um, um, the, the tourism and the, and the income it generates for a lot of local um, people. It's a, it, it remains and, and will always remain iconic and glorious. So I... I, who am I to say? Let let folk treat it how they want to treat it, approach it in the the way they want to approach it. I mean, again, we we just we just keep returning to the fact that it's not it's not what you're doing; it's the way you're doing it, isn't it? It's a song coming on. <laughs> but it, but you know, this is the part where you stand up. And it? It's a musical. I don't think you mean that. Um, but yeah, I, I I think styles everything. The stuff that the stuff that um, really gets me excited at the these days around expeditions and there's a few sort of um, possibilities and plans in the offing is the is the sort of uncharted genuinely mm, is that possible not really sure it looks like it might be we could try with the right team and with the appropriate planning and 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 and, and see if we can go i have a pal who's um he's a super accomplished mountaineer actually and one of these one of these guys that's really quiet softly spoken very gentle and you know, just just humility personified, but super fit, hard, just profoundly capable um, in really, really serious conditions. Now, his approach, <laughs> I love this. Google Earth, what a what a what a piece of software that is. What a what a what a mechanism. But the, all the expeditions he's he's planned in recent years, I've been on a couple of them with him. Uh, we're in the Garwal Himalaya. Um, couple of years ago um but it, it's you get google earth because there's no maps that's the that's the point with with his with his approaches you can't buy the maps they aren't out there of the places that he's looking at so google earth is the best you've got to go on so you you know you zoom in as far as you can and you're looking well maybe we could get over that coal there and coming down the other side looks possible although it could be pretty broken through that sort of crevasse glacier leading down to that valley but i think given what we could carry ourselves for that amount of time we'd probably be able to do it in five days and we should get to that village on the other side and he, he goes and he tries and does it and it doesn't always work out and it's yeah i mean we went to the, the garwal things we, we were looking at a peak um 
7,000 meter peak out there a couple of years ago. And we didn't get near it, to be honest. It was, it was far too much snow. Um, one of the mates on the trip broke his toe relatively early on. You know, the paracetamol just weren't, weren't cutting it in those circumstances. So we, got, we tried to get into to base camp, but we were waiting. It was, you know, chest deep in places. We couldn't get near it. We still had a bloody marvellous time. Yeah, right off. Has been said, you regret it? Not in the slightest. No, it was, it was really, really lovely. I mean, I, I just enjoy that that part of the world. Time at base camp as well. You know, there's quite a bit of time on your hands. I love that. You know, what, the what, best what, bit. What, what, yeah, there's not many sort of times in life where you think, well, it's not my challenge today. I'm going to read that book. <laughs> and that's, that's the extent of your, your planning. It's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like the Google Earth approach. Yeah, because 16-year-old me doesn't believe there are parts of this world that don't have an OS map attached to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you've got to keep your mind open and you, and, and, and know the wilderness remains. Yeah, there's still possibilities, lots of them. What do you think about um, perceived permission when it comes to doing first ascents? Because the idea of you know, I'm not a talented mountaineer or climber. And so mm. generally the idea of just having a look on Google Earth, mm. getting a couple of mates and climbing the first ascent of a, of a simple peak, yeah. you know, easy peak, just seems like I'm not allowed to almost. What do you mean? You sort of, you need to, to qualify in some sense? Well that's, what, or? well, that's what sponsored climbers or elite mountaineers do. Yeah. Do you think that's... No, I think, I think the only barriers you've really got are in your own imagination, really. I... I but with the very critical caveat that you must be realistic about what you're attempting, really. I mean, I, I'm sure as a 16-year-old, you'd be thinking, well, you know, the perfect invulnerability of use. I could do that. I reckon we've got it in us. We're, we're super fit. We've done a, you know, done a few routes. Let's go. I mean, you know, I think you need to be realistic about the, the demands and the, um, and the hazards of... Um, you know, genuinely remote um, new routing, first ascents and stuff. It's super, super serious, and no one's coming to get you. Um, so yeah, weigh it up with your with a, a sort of a, a clear-eyed, mature, and, and, and as safe as you can be approach. But don't be shy. You know, use your use your imagination. God, where other folk haven't gone? Have a look round. It's. Uh, I think that's important. it as well. Like, I think I'm just phrasing it wrong as well. It, it's almost like it doesn't have to be hard, right? Absolutely not. I, I mean, I don't think it does. You know what? Well, I do think um, not hard, but I do think there's something in. I'm going to contradict myself because I, mean, I, I do think there are you know adventures to be had in the back garden, sort of thing. But I think there's something about the duration that is quite. Um, has pe played a key part for me over the years that you you just find yourself getting into a flow when you walk in for you know several hours eight ten hours a day day after day after day after day so I'm covering you know good amounts of distance really moving through the landscape on foot the plod and the flow carrying your stuff you're only really trying to get to the next camp where we're sleeping what we're eating do we feel all right? That's that's about it. I'll tell you who's really lovely on this. Robert McFarlane, the author, I think he writes beautifully about that. He just sort of dissolves the 
the distinction between what's going on in your head and what your body's doing physically. And just that, that um, dichotomy disappears, you know, and exhibition does that. Oh, big journeys, man, and, you know, just moving through the hills. Yeah, really lovely. So when you talk about it being the grand arena mm. and you talk about being 14 and rowing as you're having poetry read to you on yeah. those water, yeah. you know, what are the stories or the poems or the pieces of writing that really leap out at you as formative, I guess, in your... Right. There's absolutely loads thinking about it. I... Robert McFarlane's really moved me recently. If I can do it, let's just talk about what's happened, what's happened in recent. I thought, um, you know, Mountains in the Mind was his first one, bloody marvellous. Um, lots of insight there. You, you put it put into words what I felt, and I think that, that, that happened for a lot of people with that particular work. Um, <clears throat> his latest, um, Underland, is, I think, his finest work. He's really just found his voice and his flow and his, the, the feel to... Um, to that stuff um, and, the, and, the, and the, the subject matter he chooses to explore the idea he's, 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 he's getting to well I highly recommend it the other fellow that stands out at the moment is Harari Yuval Harari and uh, you might have, yeah so uh, Homo sapiens Homo Deus um, 21 lessons for the 21st century the, the, the thing about that stuff for me is the it's his, it's his breadth and the scope of it. It's like it's almost like an antidote to the to the sort of echo chambers that we that we all occupy. You know, these little worlds where you know people agree with us lots, and we read more of that stuff because I think the way they do. And all that. It, he just sort of steps out of that and offers offers perspectives that are that are evidence based. You know, the, it, and he speaks to the facts and he gives you know examples and clear sort of explanations of. The ways in which he's he's reached the conclusions he he's he's reached, but he's looking at it in terms of, you know, eons and and, and our species evolution and, and the way we are the way we are, through um, evolutionary time. You know, it makes makes you say like, yeah, well, obviously I like journeys because I'm essentially nomadic. Really, we want to have a look around. We want to move. We needed to be able to do that to. Um, you know, find our food and feed our families and stay warm and, you know, those those basic human needs. I just, I really, you know, I recommend his stuff, whether you agree with some of his positions or not, just simply for that, the, 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 the scale of his thinking, the, the, the breadth of thought there. Super good. Yeah, really enjoy that. What did younger Matt think? Uh, what, about what were you reading? Or? Well, he died, I, never, I never read him. <laughs> Back then, I don't think he'd, I just think he'd written it. I'm thinking of, you know, we've travelled a lot together. We should probably talk about that, actually. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, the amount of times you've said Coleridge to me and, you Oh, know. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I was up on, I was on Scarfell, I bivied on Scarfell three, three nights ago. It was just when the weather broke and well, I was expecting clear skies and starry glory. You know, absolutely love it. And it wasn't like that at all. Um, it was cloudy and wet. And it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was a bivy. So, yeah. But the, the fact remains, I, you know, I spent the night on the farm. I, I specifically went up to spend the night at the top of Broadstand. So where Coleridge makes his 
dissent of Broadstone, and, and he writes about it. The Fellow Rock Club of, of England view this actually as the first ever recreational rock climb, the origins of the sport, no less. It was a, it was a dissent, actually, rather than an ascent. But yeah, just I, I, I found it lovely to um, be in that place and look at those rocks and touch that stone and I didn't go down it actually because it was wet and awful but um, I was too busy trying to find a dry place to sleep um, but just to just to see those see those you didn't know that those eyes are also looked upon this there's something that connects you to these you know these historical figures that can seem very remote or um, abstract but you know walk walk the path that they walked you know, read the lines they wrote while they were there. There's something gets much more tangible and much more connected. You know, you you feel what's going on a bit more. Enjoy that. I like that. So, hmm. put you on the spot. For somebody who's into, who's outdoorsy, oh. <laughs> um, but who maybe is hearing that kind of thinking for the first time, hmm. what would you recommend they do? as an exercise for exploring those ideas. Do you mean, do you mean to, to try and un, um, get a grip on how the natural landscape informs literature or... Oh yeah, or how... just connect more deeply with their sense of place yeah. rather than just... Yeah, I, I think I would, I would advocate for this... Um, uh, dissolving of the distinction between physical activity and intellectual activity the two things are actually bound up inextricably so you know walk move just let your mind wander while you're engaged in physical activity i have a mate who's um she's a she's a poet um and she she works with her partner who's a photographer and they they bring their, their, their two disciplines together in some pretty powerful ways actually. They're, they're, they're both great at what they do, but when it, when it sort of collides, magic happens. It's really, really lovely. But her, she has a very specific approach to the way she writes. She cannot write without being in the place. She cannot write about the place without being in that place at the time. Um, and her, her practice, if you like, her sort of poetic process is to write just snippets and thoughts and feelings and the things that she's are just drifting in and out of her at that time. So just to be sit, to, to, to sit and be quiet and breathe and look. And whatever drifts in can and does. And then she takes these fragments or these component parts and then and then works on them subsequently. You know, takes them home to a to a studio space and and stuff and, and develops and evolves and, and grows that, that, that particular work. But I think there's, there's something pretty um, uh, critical going on there. So it, it's that felt experience, that real sensation actually of that place and that moment and that, and that time in that um, landscape that, that then can become something a bit more, you know, formed and, formed and real. So I would... What, what, What's the, what's the key sort of message here? Um, do rather than think. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, th I think it's, yeah, try that. I, th I have some other thoughts on that. Well, we can come back yeah, to them if yeah, you think yeah, of them. Yeah, go on. I, do you consider yourself religious? Um, no, 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 I don't think so, really. Well, it depends what you're talking about. <laughs> That's why I ask. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, well, if you're, if you're talking about um, the, the, the lawmaker, the, the, the god of crusades and jihad and um, the rules and what you can and can't do and what is and isn't possible. I'm not really interested. I think, that's a, I think it's a construct. I think it's a means of control. I think it's um, something we made as, as humans. But if we're referring to the, the cosmic mystery, because, well, I mean, I, yeah, how can... You, the, the beauty and the harmony and the, and the, and the, the gloriousness, the bloody miraculous gloriousness of our world and, and, and of us, you know, of consciousness itself. I mean, and the, our ability and our um, beauty in many respects, both mental and physical. I mean, I, then, I'm, then I'm interested. I mean, I, I think there's a... Spirit, spiritual is a, is a word that you, that you could use, which doesn't have to grip a certain creed or, or, or um, you know, man in charge sort of vibe. I, I, I heartily subscribe to, to those sorts of approaches. Well, I do. Mm. But there's no other, I mean, that we know, there's no other animal on this planet that looks at mountains and thinks they're beautiful. You know, what is it about us that sees beauty in those places? Right. It's a good, it's a good question. I mean, we have, you know, we are, we are the most successful species at it as a, as a function of our communication ability and our, and our inherent socialness. We, our ability to team up has, has got us, you know, galloping forwards at pace, almost too fast, you, you might argue. I think, well, you know, some of the things we're capable of, we're certainly not capable of controlling what we do with them. That's, that's pretty, pretty crystal. Um, I... Is it? I mean, uh, is it the sort of refinement of our our sensibilities? You know, the aesthetics of it, or or, or our ability to begin to analyse and understand why we react and respond to and reflect upon the things that we experience. You know, it's um, yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, Coleridge is, is is very good on this, and as our as are many writers, but it's not, you know, John, John Muir as well, you know, going, going out is really going in. What we're really looking at through our, our mountain experiences or our, or our, you know, backyard adventures or our wet bivvy on, on, on Scarfell or, you know, is, 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 is really what we're um, experiencing internally and, and, and where the, the value in those internal discoveries lies. You know, what that, what does that teach us? What does that tell us? You know, it's one of those, you know, it's pretty clear that the only constant is change. So we are, we're in a, a sort of um, process of becoming, aren't we, as, as, as people? In fact, I can't remember who said it, but it's a lovely um, uh, description of 
climbing and mountaineering, you, you, you're overcoming and you're watching others overcome. And it's, 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 that, it's that simple, really. You're, you're, you're facing the challenges, you're working with what you've learned um, and, and responding to circumstances and instances that, that, that ask, ask something of you, you know, that, that, that require that you meet those challenges. Nautical analogy. I love a good nautical analogy. <laughs> should, we, should, we do, should we do that? Nautical analogy. Splice the main brace, shiver me timbers, um, avast me hearties. Have you got any? <laughs> well, I think you're going to give me one I, now. I can't. No, the, um, in, in many respects, in, in, certainly in modern life, we are, um, to a large extent, below deck. We're in our cosy cabins. We are we are protected. Um, we are um, managed. You know the the things we need to do and, and, and what sort of requires our attention and our time are, are held within a relatively. I hesitate to call it safe, but it's it's pretty. It's pretty controlled. It's pretty predictable. It's pretty. Um, um, not obvious, but. You know, you've just you've got a reasonable handle on it. Now, I I I like to think, and I I I think it it is the case that certain, certainly mountaineering and expedition climbing and all that stuff, that's where you get above deck, and you 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 meet the you meet the conditions. You know, you're not you're not exactly tied to the mast. You're not absolutely helpless. You know, you have got your hands on the wheel, but you are in the teeth of the storm at times. You know, and that's 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 powerful experience that and, and very meaningful in in a, in a lot of ways it can it, it brings out arguably the the best of us sometimes it's the worst but it's it's definitely the the stuff you remember i mean i, I have a, a, a array of of instances i can call to mind with perfect clarity um from from climbing a mountain and, and, and sort of expedition life and I can't say that about most of life's experiences in a way those pictures are crystal for me there's a there's a, a sort of perfect um memory in a way I mean there's other shit when my kids are born and stuff like that I mean but it's that it's that level of um sort of intensity of experience that you can really hold on to you know gives it meaning makes it real yeah so as we as we start to wrap it up, I asked a heavy question, but so what is it you're looking for? Uh, what am I looking for? I'm trying, as a, as a general, I'm trying to know myself better, and and that's not a wholly sort of selfish um, endeavour because I think that will help me know others better. So it's, it's, it's the way out. And I do, I do believe that the, the more you can reduce that gap between, yeah, between each other, the, the, the more you realise that we're all bloody sane, really. Um, the, 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 
the greater our chance of reducing the, the challenges we face. I mean, the, the climate crisis is a classic, classic example of that. I mean, how, how on earth can we expect to um, meet any of the challenges, even remotely, if we take a, a national perspective? You know, or we can't do that because it's, it's against our, our national interests. It will affect our, you know, our GDP or whatever economic constraints are, are brought to bear. I mean, it's, it's just, it strikes me as so short-sighted that we haven't managed to get a grip on understanding that we're all in this together. Um, so yeah, if I can, if I have any um, aspirations, it's uh, it's about trying to um, reduce that distance, yeah, shorten that gap a bit. I think that's solve a well, it would it would it would help in a lot of lot of ways. Overcoming and helping others overcome. Yes, yes, yes. So it's not a yeah. Let's not see it as a solo activity. It's a, we're all in this together. Okay. Got three questions. Oh God! Right. Normally have two. Okay. Am I special? You are special. Very <laughs> special. What scares you? Oh, um, something happens to my kids. It's really it's that simple. I do. I mean, I, apparently my wife told me it's very natural, but I do sometimes, you know, shout myself awake in the night because I'm having some horrific nightmare that something awful's happened to the children. I do. They're just such a. Actually, that's one thing I would say as well. Thank you for bringing up the children again. But, you know, we, we've done all this sort of major expedition stuff and, you know, grappling in the environments and, and doing all that stuff. But I, I have to say the, the big adventure, in my experience, thus far, has been the parenting. Good Lord. I mean, I, it, it's, it's taught me more about myself than I've, 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 I've ever thought possible, really. Um, it's also um, just the, the pressure and the... And the responsibility, but the, the joy and the unexpected hilarity of it all is—it's—it's it's a crazy mashup. That is absolutely amazing. You might have just answered the next question. What brings you hope? Uh, uh, well, Biden won the election. I mean, hell's bells. I, I hope that that's a, a step in the right direction. We may have just averted. Some absolute, well, yeah. I knew you'd mention it. Series of disasters, <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? I think I come into con. I'm very lucky in my line of work and in the in the sort of in the company I keep and the and the, and the things that I'm interested. In, I come into contact with some folk who are pretty inspirational characters in many ways they seem engaged on a on a series of levels that i think are just that is exactly how we how we should be approaching what we're doing whether they're you know whether they're creative individuals or they're or they're um, climbers or they're other parents or they're teachers um or there's just you know i'm i'm, I'm very lucky to know a, a good cross-section of folk where you think god thank god you're out there you know thank yeah, God, it'd be a it'd be a bleaker proposition without a lot of these people. And they're they're the folk. If I'm gonna, it's not one specific thing that I think I can pin my hope to. But there's there's a there's a group or a a, a, a chunk of 
folk out there that I would say give me that um, that hopeful feeling. And then finally, what should I have asked you that I didn't? Or yeah. yeah. Hmm. Or given everything we've just talked about, what else do you want to say? Yeah. I don't know. It's good. I mean, I find it really easy. Not well, easier than I thought it would be to do. Actually, see, yeah, it's nice to nice to chat to you. Well, it always is, man. But I, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, I read the other. I was reading the other day. Um, Messner, My Life at the Limit, it's called. <laughs> it's, it's an interview um, um, transcribed and, and translated, actually, into the, into the English, obviously. And one of the things he was... I mean, he's renowned for being a pretty gnarly chap, isn't he? I mean, he's, he can be... Should we call it prickly or ch challenging in, in some respects? But I, I was reading about him, and he was, he was talking about some of the, you know, his major sort of survival epics and, and what he's kept going, what he's, what he's managed to come through. And he is one of the, the great survivors in many ways. And I, I was looking at um, how he, what his, what his approach was, how does it differ from others, uh, if, it, if it differs at all. And I, it was identified by the interviewer that he has this, this ability to harness the rage and I, and, I, and I, I thought, you know, rage. Well, surely that's that's counterproductive. That's a, a destructive state. But the way that interview explained it, and the way I've come to sort of under, understand it since, is that you know, rage. rage you've, you've got to know, rage, rage is actually born of hope. Rage is that that absolute unwillingness to accept what's going on. I will not have this. I, you know, I will not go quietly into the night. You know, I'm, I'm just going to fight until I cannot. And that, Mester probably accurately states, is one, the, the, the mechanism by which he's survived. So, uh, you know, just uh, the interesting point to end on, isn't it? Rage, the importance of rage. <laughs> but it, 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 I, it, it surprised me. That explanation, because I always just assume, well, you've just lost it, haven't you? If you're raging and you've gone bananas and it's, you know, it's all going to pieces, isn't it? But actually, there's something powerful and, and, and real that affects change and or can result in your survival. So maybe maybe some rage is a, is a necessary um, mechanism. Well, you said right at the start of that, it was the harnessing of the rage that I thought... Yeah, mm. and I suppose that's what's interesting. Rage doesn't necessarily mean shouting and screaming, does it? No, it's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you sort of. Yeah, maybe, maybe it needs a qualifier. Maybe it's focused rage or just that. I'm, I'm. There's no way I'm having this. Mm. And I'm, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's lots you want to do something about. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty to rage about. I didn't. Um, Maybe not the time. We'll do another. <laughs> we'll do another. Yeah. That's a nice idea. We've not talked about Rwanda or Africa oh, or Morocco. Mate, I know, that's a big chunk actually. Yeah, the Africa years. Well there yeah. we go. We'll save the Africa years for another day. Yeah, cool man. There's some yeah, that's that's some powerful onions in there. Yeah. Thanks for doing it.
Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. It's it was a pleasure. Yeah.